Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Hope you had a great Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. Enjoy your Hanukkah season. I uh, just got back into town. We thought we'd do another Peristyle Podcast after the holiday break. I'm going to be joined by Coach Harvey Hyde in just a minute. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. We want to talk about, of course, the Rose Bowl, USC taking on Penn State. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at USC Football. Dot com is our email address, or you can call us at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or just go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. All our contact information is there. You can click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, Audio Boom, TuneIn Radio, lots of different places you can get the podcast. And if any of those, please leave some positive feedback. Give us a rating. Help us uh, share the show with other USC Trojan fans out there. Without further ado, I want to bring in the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. One week away from the Rose Bowl, it's almost here. Just getting, just getting organized here for the Rose Bowl. Yes, it's exciting. A week from today, about well, right now we'll be in the second quarter. Right now we're doing the show. Now about three thirty-five, we'd be in the second quarter. The game starts at two o'clock. A little bit after, we've already had the flyby. Everybody's excited. You've been to the parade. You've been to the tailgate party. Now you watch two teams that haven't lost a game the last 17 games between both of them. Get on national TV and uh, get it out. One of them, uh, get it done. And one of them out there is going to be a very happy group of guys. And uh, it'll mean so much to the program and to the alumni and everything. That Hey, Brian, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a great game and a great spectacle. Yeah, it should be a fun week uh, leading up to it. There'll be the players over at the California Adventure. We already talked about the Lowry's Beef Bowl, which I will be at and looking forward to having a little bit of a Lowry's Prime Rib over there in Beverly Hills. Um, should be great. I think it's in Beverly Hills. Uh, I think technically. We wanted to thank our sponsor. So if you need tickets to the game, uh, sctickets.com is the place to go. SCTickets.com, Southern California tickets, or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287. I know Coach has been flooded with requests. I get texts every day. Hey, if you happen to come across tickets, it's funny. I've come across zero tickets, and I've come across many, many, many people looking for tickets. I agree with you. I'll tell you, I went by there earlier today, and place uh, he's got great seats. People are buying tickets for the parade and the game. And, uh, you know, he is locally in Pasadena, so he has some contacts to get some great seats. So if you're looking for a seat, uh, you can get to the game. You can get to the parade. Uh, just uh, be willing to make that call and find out what it takes. So, Coach, um, I wanted the, you're an expert on the Rose Bowl. You've hosted a lot of events there, emceed a lot of stuff, uh, really involved in the game and the, the committees and all that kind of stuff. The uh, This kind of comes up whenever USC is in the Rose Bowl on a weird, you know, when it's not on a Sunday. And this year, it's the same thing. It's not going to be on a Sunday. January 1st is a Sunday. The Tournament of Roses has a tradition of never on a Sunday, which I believe goes back to the 1800s. Um, so maybe you can explain, you probably know better than most, 
why that tradition is in place and what, what it's about. Right. Well, it all started, uh, Colorado Boulevard has many, many churches on it. And in those days, uh, uh, people used to attend church on Sunday. And many of the people who are in the Tournament of Roses said, we, we are not going to disrupt the people who go to church and all the churches that line uh, Colorado Boulevard. So when the first of uh, January falls on, Gen- you know, on, a, on a Sunday, we're just going to do everything on Monday. And when they signed their agreement uh, with the BCS and with the Big Ten and Pac-10 and now with uh, the college football playoffs or whatever, the television contracts, they've got that in the contracts saying that, like next year's game, next year's game is a playoff game, but, you know, it doesn't fall on a Monday. But if it did fall on a Monday this this year and they were hosting it, the game would be played on, on if it, play, it fell on a Sunday, it would be played on a Monday. So that's how it all started. And uh, this contract is in place now with all the television networks, I think, for another eight years and uh, with uh, the football playoff and, and everything else, and it'll continue. And if you notice, the start time is exactly at 2 p.m. It always is the same start time because it follows the parade. It allows people to go to the parade and then come to the game. So uh, this is just part of tradition. And if you notice, the playoff games are actually on New Year's Eve, which they don't really like for television because many people are not watching television. They are out uh, doing their thing. And uh, they have tried to change this, but because of the contract, the tournament won't change it, and because of the tradition of what happens in Pasadena. So right now it's going to stay that way for a long time. That's good. I mean, I, I love the tradition, Coach. And uh, it's funny, you, you assume, it, you know, the NFL is obviously a big part of it too, kind of owning the, the footballs on Sundays. But I I'd read that it was like back in the day, that there was a, the churches had a lot of horses tied up outside and they didn't want to disrupt the horse, like scare the horses, which would disrupt all the services too. Yeah, all of that, all of that way back when it started. I can't remember 1800s, 1923, I think was the first Rose Bowl game. So, uh, you know, uh, this tradition has been there and they've never changed it. And there's times I like it and there's times I say, you know, maybe it should go back, uh, and maybe they should play it on New Year's Day. But uh, right now, that's the way it is, and it's in the the contracts this way. So I know it'll be there for a while. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk. We talked some Penn State last week. I want to talk a little bit more. One of the um, aspects of this team, coach, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, you know, Penn State's a, a team that's been able to come back a lot this year. They've actually um, had four double-digit comebacks this season. So this is a team that's not, uh, you know. <laughs> It's not averse to falling behind and significantly behind only to come back later on. Um, so they rallied from 21 down, uh, late in the, the second quarter of the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. Um, and they outscored Wisconsin 24 to three in the second half. Uh, so that was a huge comeback. It's the biggest one since they were down 21 nothing back in 2010 against Northwestern. Uh, they were down by 10 in the third quarter against Indiana, who, uh, We'll play against, I think it's Utah is playing Indiana. Um, and then they, uh, but then they, they rallied 31 to seven over the final, like qu- quarter plus. So that was a double digit comeback. Um, there was, let's see, they trailed by 14 against Ohio State entering the fourth quarter and then they scored 17 to win. So, I mean, this team, and they trailed, uh, Michigan State by 13 
Um, I'm sorry. So the, no, the, the last time they, the last time they trailed, excuse me. I'm sorry about that coach. The Nittany Lions trailed Michigan State by 13 in 1993 entering the fourth quarter. And then they end up winning that game. So to, to come back from 14 down in the fourth quarter, especially against uh, a highly ranked Ohio State team was a big deal. But anyway, they've, they've had a lot of comebacks. Um, they were trailed by 10. Uh, to Minnesota earlier in the season, and then they rallied and they won that game in overtime. Um, they're actually three and two in games when they're trailing after the third quarter. So uh, they've come back to win, you know, three times in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, what what do you think? A t- what makes a team do that, coach? And how could that be dangerous to USC in the Rose Bowl? Well, first of all, it's dangerous to anybody. But remember, when a team does that, you've got to help a team do that doesn't just happen you know all of a sudden you're getting pass interference or you're giving up pass interferences and penalties or you're fumbling or throwing the ball away or a lot of things are happening that, to make that all happen if you go back and you probably look through all the stats and the films there's always a reason why a lot of that happens i know against wisconsin they had a lot of deep passes that they threw and uh, their receivers were able to go up and take the ball away from the wisconsin's defensive backs so there's always reasons that happen, and they, they start to believe that they can come back, and that's part of their uh, fight song probably or part of their locker room talk. It's not done till it's done, and we've done it. We'll do it again. Well, against USC, USC's aware of this. It's not any secret. So USC's got to play two complete halves of football and not allow the momentum to change because when a team starts to get momentum, and we see it every week, uh, that team carries that momentum towards the end of the game, and they find a way to win, and winners find a way to win. And uh, Penn State right now believes in themselves. And they believe they can win, and I think that the game that started it all was the Ohio State game. It was a, it's a miracle they beat Ohio State. I mean, really, Ohio State out did everything to them, and they blocked that field goal, and the guy runs it back for a touchdown, and they beat Ohio State. But that built up a lot of uh, confidence in them and who they are and what they represent. And, of course, Jeff Franklin's a hell of a coach. He's a very enthusiastic guy. They believe him, and he he carried that. He carried that momentum into the other games and used that as an example. Now, USC has got to, you know, just play their type of game, their football game, and not allow the momentum to change in a football game. They've got to be able to be aware of that, and they've got to play hard, and they can't do things that allow them to come back and change the momentum of the game if they're up on Penn State. and. Uh, so, you know, that's part of football, you know, the momentum of a football game, the turnovers in a football game, the penalties in a football game all contribute to what the end results are of a football game. So USC's got to play hard, aggressive, don't beat themselves type of football, but yet uh, play to win. You, you don't play to hang on. And I don't know if the teams they played just played towards the end of the game to just try to win rather than continue what they were doing uh, so successfully. So what USC has to do is they have to continue to play to win, not uh, to, to be to not just play to win, but not to not play not to lose. That's the term I want to use. They got to play to win more and they got to continue pouring it on if they have that advantage to do that. If it's a neck and tough game back and forth, of course, Penn State will believe they're going to have success because this is the way they've won a lot of their games. But USC, too, is a great football team, and they're playing uh, for something that's really real. And, you know, when you look at both of these programs, Ryan, and you think about where they've come from, 
and who they are. Uh, they have fought back through a lot of difficulties the last couple of years to represent their universities and be somewhere that a lot of people didn't expect them to be. So they play a little bit harder. They're excited about this game. They didn't want to go to any other game. Obviously, Penn State thought they should have gone to the playoffs, but, hey, they won't be disappointed playing in the Rose Bowl, believe me, when they take the field. And USC, they're there. They're in the Rose Bowl, where they want to be every single year. And years ago, when they didn't have the playoffs, they didn't have a lot of big games. Hey, when you uh, big uh, other bowl games, you know, USC's goal under John McKay and Pete Carroll and everything was to go to the Rose Bowl. Not to go to some BCS playoff. That's what it is now in the football playoff system. But it was to go to the Rose Bowl, the Big Ten champion. Go to the Rose Bowl. Well, you know, because Washington's going to the playoffs, then USC has an opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl, get a lot of momentum going, get into recruiting, get some positive things happen. And this is what this game's all about. This is why it's such a huge game for both programs, because they both have come back from a situation where both of them almost had what you might call the death penalty for a period of time, but they rolled, both arrived back about the same time in the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, Coach, and the the whole comeback thing, um, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, Jethro Franklin's squad is uh, really good at the explosive plays, and, and if you're going to come back, you kind of have to be. You have to be able to score quick. And uh, this Penn State team can do it. I was a little taken aback. Uh, Wisconsin hadn't given up that many points all year. It was uh, a really disappointing defensive breakdown for Wisconsin in that game, if you were watching the, the Big Ten uh, championship game. Uh, I'm curious to see if they're gonna, if Penn State's going to be able to, to pick up uh, those big explosive plays against USC. And this USC defense is known for that. They've given up some. But they forced so many... Uh, negative plays. It's just kind of like it's going to happen every once in a while. Um, I'm curious to see what you think, though, as far as this USC defense. You know, if you give up one, you know, long touchdown or something, that's one thing. If you do what you, Wisconsin did and just give up touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, that's something completely different. I kind of think USC will give up one or two, but they'll probably force enough negative plays to kind of uh, combat that. I don't. I just don't know if it's going to be as explosive of, a, of an afternoon for Trace McSorley and the Penn State team as it was against Wisconsin. Well, you know, you you uh, you never go into a game saying we're going to shut them out. You go to play to shut them out. But, you know, if you get a score on you, you're going to, you're not going to quit or, or think that you're not going to continue to come back and answer, uh, no matter if you're behind yourself. SC could come back and in the second half if they're down at halftime and beat Penn State. Both teams are winners. Both teams have experienced winning, so they know the feeling of winning. So, you know, they'll, they'll play hard, both teams, and both teams will not quit. And, uh, because of that type of feeling they have, as far as knowing what the feeling really is to win, and there's a lot of pride on this football game, and a lot of great support on this football uh, game, and the players really feel it. Well, USC, uh, yeah, will have to play hard and not allow uh, those big plays. And I think I told you last week, and I'll repeat it again, uh, they sort of remind me of Washington. Washington had two great receivers and uh, and a great running game and uh, a good quarterback in Browning. And the first thing they decided to do is take the run away. They basically shut the complete running game down 
from Washington, forced Browning to throw the football and then pressured him and kept him in the pocket and uh, took their game away from him. And this is exactly the type of game plan they have to do to Washington, to do to uh, Penn State that they did to Washington. They got to uh, harass the quarterback and take the running game away, and everything will force it, fill in, uh, fall in place. Because when you don't have time to throw the football, you know you're not as accurate. Yeah, you'll put the ball way up in the air, and your safeties have got to get over there and make those plays. And you can't fall down. You can't have pass interferences. Then, you know, you, you rush a guy, and, and they, they get a positive play out of something that they shouldn't get a positive play out of. So you've got to not beat yourself. You've got to play your game. You've got to know what you can do. You've got to realize we're going to ask out athletic them. And, you know, I've got some comments from other Penn State people who listen to the podcast, and I thank them for getting into me. Penn State people have a lot of pride. They have a lot of pride in this football team, and they believe, not only the players, the fans believe. And I appreciate getting uh, the, 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 the emails from these people or texts from these people or twitters from these people. Tweets, I really do. And because they believe and they think that, you know, Coach, uh, you're going to find out that we're better than what a lot of people think. And they probably are, because I haven't seen them play. But I do know that USC, if they play up to their game and keep improving and take advantage of their athlete, I think they've got a great chance to win this football game. And so does Las Vegas, because they're a seven-point, six-and-a-half-point favorite, and it's more or less a home game for USC. So that's my thinking on this game. We had uh, we had some questions for you too, Coach. Um, Reggie in Seattle wrote in. And said, uh, I was listening to the podcast on several occasions. The way the team practiced before last year's bowl game was the topic of discussion. I'm wondering if, given the mass firings and disorganization of the staff last year, if their bowl practice schedule was impacted by this. Perhaps it was more necessary for Coach Helton to get his staff organized for the recruiting push. Had they not done that, it's possible they wouldn't have finished as strong as they did on the recruiting trail. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the matter, Reggie in Seattle. Now, Reg, that that uh, there is no excuse for uh, preparing for a bowl game and worry about recruiting when you haven't completed your season. You've got to complete the season. You owe it to your fans. You owe it to the players that are part of that team that have sacrificed to go to a bowl game and to get better with your younger players as far as practicing the full 15 days or whatever number of days they give you, become a better football team. And, uh, no, that, 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 uh, that wasn't the reason. I don't know why they didn't practice, but I know one thing he certainly learned off of that, either by listening to this podcast or by listening to a lot of other people write about it or whatever, because he's preparing completely differently than what he did. And I think they'll become a better football team before it. Now the big secret is, is can you get them to ready to play with the same intensity? on January the 2nd, the way you did against UCLA and Notre Dame in the final weeks of your season because you're off a long period of time. So you got to be able – it's a different speed in practice than it is in the game. So you've got to get your speed back. You've got to get back your footing, your timing on tackling and cutting on routes. You don't want to fall down. The whole thing's got to come back in a short period of time and playing on the turf in the Rose Bowl. You've got to get used to that. You've got to try your shoes. I've always said, I want to get on a field before we play on it, and I would like to walk in the shoes that we're going to play in because you want to make sure the turf fits 
what your shoe is. So all of these little things have got to make a big difference in preparing and keeping your mind on what you're there to do. You're not there to really enjoy it. You are there to enjoy the moment, but you're there to win a football game. Not just game day, but you start winning a football game when you start preparing for that football game and watching your opponent and all of the things that it takes to win a big football game like this. But both teams will come ready to play. Um, to Reggie's point, too, Coach, and I'll get your thoughts on this, I do think that, you know, being hired with two games left in the season, the Pac-12 championship game and then the bowl game, uh, it did, I mean, it put him in a, a strange position. I mean, it was very, the timing was weird. We talked about the bowl prep. We didn't agree with it at the time when it was happening. Obviously, the bowl results kind of showed that it probably wasn't the best way to prepare. Um, but I do think that because of half the staff being fired and trying to get some of the grad assistants and, and, uh, analysts and stuff that were working on the t- up to speed. Um, I think that's part of the reason why they didn't practice as much as they did. Now, I mean, you can argue, yeah, you shouldn't do that. And I, I didn't think they should, but I kind of think that was Clay Helton's reasoning coach that, um, he needed to get the staff in place or he needed to kind of, you know, work on all the other stuff behind the scenes. And I think some of the bowl prep, um, uh, was sacrificed and obviously he's not doing that this year. They're doing as many workouts as possible. So he got a lot of heat from it last year. And I think to Clay Helton's credit coach, he's changed, he's changed the way, uh, he's, he's prepared this year. Oh, I'm sure he didn't, uh, like the results of that game, but they didn't even look prepared for that game. If they were spending time preparing, uh, it was ridiculous as far as they couldn't block a stunt do the different things that were necessary to win a football game and they left there embarrassed and they they really embarrassed the the fans and the people who played in the game they did embarrassed the you people that are so proud of usc football but now you know he was learning and then you've heard me talk about this you know getting he's never hired a staff he doesn't know what the procedures are as far as he's been a part of a staff that's being hired but he should have kept the entire staff together the staff that got them to the holiday bowl kept them together and let them complete, and that's part of their responsibility. They owe it to the players and the university to win that football game. Now, you can still hire coaches, but you don't hire them and release who they are because you want to evaluate who these coaches are that are coaching under you and see how they do during this period of time of stress when they're looking for a job. At the same time, how well are they coaching when I'm the head football coach in a bowl game? So I think that it was just the wrong decision on, yes, he wanted to help the coaches as far as giving them extra time to go find a coaching job. But this is one reason why I feel that you should not be able to, and I hope they someday put this rule in, that you should not be able to sign with a new school or any university cannot hire a football coach until the bowl games are done. Now, I think you can do that because those coaches deserve uh, or they, they're obligated to coach that football team, not to leave and look at their new job. They're obligated to coach this team that they were paid for during this period of time. Now, if they can't be hired before this, they can't leave. Now what you do, you say, oh, you hurt the recruiting. They didn't have a chance to get going in recruiting. Well, you just move back recruiting uh, two or three weeks, whatever it is, and instead of it being the first Wednesday in February, you make it the third Wednesday and Friday, or Wednesday and February, or whatever. 
because then it's all equal. But I don't like coaches leaving uh, a university. I don't think it's fair for them to leave and and uh, have someone finish what they started to do, and it's not right for the kids playing for someone else. And I don't like schools, uh, you know, doing that, uh, contacting uh, schools. I know I had that thing going on in my mind for some times, and it didn't help me as far as preparing for games either because my mind is somewhere else. Uh, who should I have called for the job? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I'm not really doing what I should be doing. And that's coaching this football team. So uh, I'd like to see that happen, but will it ever happen? I don't know, but I hope it does. We got one last one for you, Coach. Uh, Tarek wrote in and said, Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays to you, Tarek. He said, Should defensive backs be taught all of the positions so they can be interchangeable in case of injury? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they don't know it anyway. Uh, they, they, they work together so much and listen to all the coaching that's going on that if you have that many injuries, your guy could go in and play. Believe me, they could go in and play another position, play safety, and a lot of times they're cross-trained anyway. So, uh, you know, if you try to move guys around too much, they're not real good at what they do. Because every time you take a turn at something you might not ever play, you're giving, you're sacrificing the chance of becoming better at what you're supposed to be doing. So you hope you have enough depth that uh, the people that play safeties or whatever they might be or corners, you'll be able to get through the season without doing that. Now, of course, if you have to make that adjustment and play during a game, I'm sure those guys know the responsibility, but they know the coverages. They help line each other up. They wouldn't be probably as good at it as the guy that was playing that position. But uh, we did a little bit of that. We did some of it, but not very much of it because I want guys to be very good at what they do and not be practicing something they'll never do or may never need to do. So that's where I'd answer that question. But if necessary, I think a guy can go play a position without having to practice it too much. Yeah, and then sometimes, depending on the defense, like I know you know, now they like some bigger safeties, so – you know, and Adoree Jackson, you could play him back there maybe, uh, but, you know, he'd probably be better at like a corner and a nickel as opposed to a safety spot that they wanted to, um, you know, blitz more with or whatever. You want a bigger guy like a Leon McQuay or something or a Marvell Tell. So I, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you, you're you in the same meetings and I think like the receivers, they, a lot of them know the X, the Y, the Z, you know, the different positions. But you don't, you know, to get reps, you're not going to get as many reps in practice. But you're in those same meetings. If it came down to an emergency, you probably could. But like, like coach said, don't always want that to happen. You're exactly right. They can go in. These kids are smart. They know the complete coverages. They know that if this happens on this coverage, I'm supposed to do this, and the safety takes that. Well, you just reverse it and you do that. And uh, these kids are smart. They can play it, and they played it in high school in most cases. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. And I wouldn't waste turns on it much at all as far as uh, preparing for a game. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you coming back on the Peristyle Podcast. Talk a little bit more about Penn State. And uh, looking forward to a week from today, the Trojans and the Nittany Lions getting it on in Pasadena. We'll see you up there, Coach, and thanks again for coming on. I'll be there. And again, for all of you out there, uh, again, I hope you had a very, very happy and safe holiday. And, you know, we're not done yet. We've got a big game, so... I'll see you at the Rose Bowl. That's what it really is. It's the greatest game that there is in college football. 
All right, Coach, I agree with you 100%. It is. The granddaddy of them all. So that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey, Har- Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I think we'll do one or two more this week. I think we needed a recruiting one and probably Dan Weber coming on talking about bull prep. So send in your questions, podcast at uscfootball.com, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.